you've been searching for the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. All right, welcome back to another episode of In the Paint. I am joined as I am every time we record with my buddy, my hooping pal, my co-host, Joe. Welcome back, man. What's going on? Hey, uh, you know, I uh, got married on Monday. Dude, I was going to be like, hey, am I going to bring that up or are you? (laughs) So first off, congrats, man. Thanks. Thanks. So, Um, I mean, it's the middle of pandemic. So, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, just a little... uh, uh, a little sitting around at the courthouse and everything. We'll, we'll, we'll throw a party, uh, private party here uh, when this is all over. So I was gonna say you you did the you did the responsible COVID um, That's right. ceremony, <laughs> yeah. and then you'll throw a banger when uh, when the the time comes for sure. Yeah. So, ladies, I am so sorry. I am like officially taken right now. I know there's so many of you that listen to this podcast and love Matt and I, but we're both married. So yeah. You know. Well, uh, yeah, f- find another podcast to hit hit on because um, yeah, exactly. we're both right. locked down. We're both locked down. <laughs> um, no, well, congrats, man. Um, but we're going to get to more important things, which is basketball. Um, of course. So <laughs> um, ball is life, not not marriage. Um, no, right. anyway. So um, last week we talked about um, last week we was a more player centered um, kind of a podcast. We had talked about some injuries. We talked about some some life saving potentially life-saving news, which we now have more information on. Um, you know, we found out about Carl Anthony Towns with COVID. We have people back from injury. Um, and then we talked about a cool story with Delonte West and Mark Cuban and how, um, you know, how Delonte West is back on his feet and, and uh, kind of just really thriving now in, in this, in this new role that he has that is at that rehab center. Um, and so today we're going to kind of talk about a, a couple more player things, um, some league information, and then we're really just going to dive into a couple team storylines and then talk about um, who we think a quarter of the way through the NBA season um, is leading in, in certain award categories. Um, and if we have any sort of updated Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals picks, we'll talk about that. But we're, you know, we don't know a whole lot, but we are a quarter of the way through. So we have a decent sample size of what's been going on, um, you know, in this league so far. But um, let's first off, let's start. Um, yesterday was uh, the one-year anniversary of the tragic death of Kobe and his daughter and then several other people um, that were on a helicopter. Um, just wanted to take the time to to just quickly kind of remember a couple of Kobe stories. I know we it's funny that it's not funny, but it's crazy that it's already a year because I feel like we, we, talk, we were sitting talking about this at one point like – it seems like the other day, um, but now it's been a year. Um, so just like first off, RIP Kobe and, and Gigi, but also like talk about some, I don't know, just like things that you remember with with Kobe for for sure. I mean, the first thing that comes yeah, to mind is uh, the Mamba mentality. And I'll never forget, actually, the uh, you were the one who told me that uh, that it happened. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I remember. Yeah, I, I remember. Some, I remember texting you, but I didn't know that. Yeah. Like I was the, you know, the first one to, to bring it to you. Yeah, I was um, at home. I had my uh, uh, my girlfriend, now my wife at the time's uh, family over, and uh, all of a sudden I get a, tick, a text from my friend Matt that just said, "Holy shit, Kobe just died!" And I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't believe you. Like. I didn't at first, like I had to like, 
verify. I had to go on the, the internet just to make sure that like this wasn't like just a maybe this happened kind of thing, but it it actually did. So, but stuff I always remember about Kobe is um, I'm gonna remember him willing a lot of those Lakers teams, especially in the mid 2000s, that were just awful to the playoffs. And uh, you know his 81 point game, obviously, um, and just how hard uh, he worked. And he wasn't much of a trash talker. You realize that? Like he had like that swagger to him, that confidence and everything like that. But, you know, one thing that, you know, if you go back and look at that 81 point game, it was all business. Like it wasn't showboating. It wasn't anything like that. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I got, man. Yeah. I think, I think the thing I'll always remember is um, the image, like the lasting image I always have in my head is when he tore his Achilles and like he limps out and like still hits his free throws. I think like for that, for me, and I think Clay Thompson did something similar. Like he tore his ACL at one point, I think in the playoffs. And then he goes out and like, he actually was already in the locker room and came back out and like hit his free throws. Um. And so I just remember like that image is just kind of basically encompassing of just who he was of a guy who, man, like when the lights were on and when the game was going, he gave everything he had every single time he played, even if that was a two for 20 night or it was a three for, you know, whatever, 17 night, um, you could guarantee that he was going to try to get to the line. If that was the case, you you know, he could guarantee that he was going to play his butt off on the defensive end. If that was the case. Um, I just think that like now, the NBA is like, okay with being a bad defender. Like there's players that are like, Oh, well I scored this much on the offensive end. So I'm okay with being a bad defender. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Kobe would stand for that now. Um, and I know he played on some really bad defensive teams later, you know, with the Lakers, um, just bad teams in general. But just like for me, he was always a guy that like, man, when he was doing rough on the offensive end, he would always try to make a key defensive stop or maybe take a charge or get a block or something that just frustrated the other team on the defensive end. And you don't see a whole lot of that anymore. It's like, you're a specialist on one and you're not great on the other. And I just don't know if Kobe would have like been okay with that for his game. Um, but yeah, like the lasting image of him, just like taking free throws on a torn Achilles will just always, always stick with me um, as, you know, for the rest of my, that I live. And, and, you know, just anytime I see him come up, his name come up, that'll be something I think about. How about the fact that he just never backed down from, I mean, anybody. He comes in as a hotshot rookie 18-year-old and basically, you know, says, I'm not going to be punked by anybody. Almost gets in a fight with Shaq, like, during game or during practices, you know, in, in the summer. And, uh, you know, he just uh, – he, he wanted to win and, and we really, we, we kind of saw him grow up publicly, right. From this hot shop brazen kid who, you know, really still worked hard, even as an 18 year old to get where he was going to, you know, kind of matured into this uh, father figure and this elder statesman uh, for other NBA players. And uh, I guarantee you there isn't an NBA player, like, especially American born today that, you know, didn't have some kind of influence on, you know, from Kobe Bryant. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Um, He, and I think we we talked about this before when we chatted, but like the biggest bummer of it all, obviously him passing, but the biggest bummer is he had made such a smooth transition post basketball and he was doing so many great things. And it's just a bummer that we're never going to get to see all those through. Like, we're not going to get to see Kobe 
old and gray, like sitting courtside, like Bill Russell does or whatever. We're not going to get to see that. And that's just a bummer um, because he had done so flawlessly transitioning from the league to like post basketball and his like business ventures and his books and his movies and screenplays and things like that. We're just not going to get to see those anymore. Um, And that's just a bummer because not many people can transition well after a sport retire retirement is hard for a lot of athletes. And it seemed like Kobe, like day one was just like, I'm good. Like I'm into other things and was so damn good at him. So it was crazy. Yeah. He got everything he wanted out of the game, you know, knew that he couldn't play necessarily at the level that he wanted anymore, you know, consistently. And he, uh, he was ready to move on with no regrets. And, uh, that is, that is going to be a huge thing that, you know, he's not, he's not sitting there, you know, during Laker games. Um, and, uh, and we're not going to get to see him, you know, grow and, and see what it is next. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's all. It's just, it's a bummer, um, yeah. above everything else. Um, and then in other really just tragic, like unfortunate news, um, yesterday, I feel like it was yesterday. I'm yeah. reading that, um, we lost a really well-known and like well-loved beloved by almost everybody. It seemed like, um, Reporter for NBA.com and NBA TV even hosted a podcast. Um, Steakhouse Smith passes away, and man, it's just this freaking virus. And it's just, uh, it like when I, anytime I read that that's the cause of death, I just like, I just get angry because this thing is just, it's a, a bitch, man. And so, yeah, he passed away um, 48 years old. 48, man. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot else to say. I didn't know a ton about him. Um, I know he hosted a podcast and he was on NBA TV sometimes and he was a writer for NBA.com. But it seemed like everybody all over Twitter that had worked with him or had an interaction with him said he was nothing but a great guy. Um, so just to see a guy like that go down with, with a virus um, that is just ravaging the country and the world um, just sucks. And we've talked about it with with Carl Anthony Towns too. Like it's hitting people in so many different ways and um, just sucks that, that it, took another person that was well-loved and well-known in the NBA community. Yeah. I mean, he works with the NBA team and NBA.com since 2009. Um, you know, before that, I think he was in, uh, Indiana, uh, as a lead reporter there. And, uh, just like you said, uh, known and loved by, by everybody. So. looks like he was Grand Rapids born too. That's kind of near you, right? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I lived in Grand Rapids for about nine years. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, all that to say, RIP um, and thoughts and prayers to the family. Um, but now let's move on to some some lighter information here and some lighter topics. Um, Jalen Brown is having himself a year. Yeah, he's kind of taken that next step, hasn't he? I mean, you know, Tatum's kind of been a little in and out of the lineup, it seems like, this year. And, uh, you know, he's really filled that role. And the Celtics are not deep. Like we know this, like they have, they got all these assets in the trade and everybody talks about what a great job that any age has done. And, you know, you've, you've hammered on it, you know, quite a bit, but like they are not deep, but the fact that, you know, Brad Stevens with really four five, maybe six really rotational NBA players um, are still out there, you know, playing playoff basketball, it's crazy. And Jalen Brown has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, 26 PER, 63% true shooting percentage. Um, his 
I mean, just like his win shares, his win shares are a little lower, a little lower than normal. Um, but his offensive win shares are his second highest he's ever had. I mean, they're just every stat I look at. I mean, his per 36, his um, points per game, he's averaging 30 per per 36 and per 100 possessions. He's averaging um, 40 points a game. His offensive rating is 119. Like he has stuff. He has like lacked a little bit defensively, but I think it's because he's having to kind of exert so much offensively for the team. Um, but man, just every stat I look at, I'm just blown away. 53% from the field averaging 28 a game, just like raw numbers. I mean, my goodness, just taking that jump um, from, and I've given, and I'll be the first to say, like I was, he was always thrown in these trade packages and I was like, I don't get it. I don't believe it. Like, I don't, I don't understand the hype. And I think that might've been justified up until about last year, but he is just, he's putting everything I've said to shame and man, he's averaging almost 33 minutes a game and just really just putting the league on notice. He's really taken a big step with, um, with Tatum being out for COVID reasons and, and contact tracing. So shout out to Jalen Brown for almost single-handedly r- rolling with this, this Celtics team. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, he, he goes from two years ago where he's getting like 10 shots a game, you know, only scoring 13 points. People forget about that. I mean, that was in 2018, 2019 when he was 22 years old, you know, usually people make that jump in the, about their third year, right? You know, if you're, if you're going to be a star, it's in your third or fourth year. He didn't do that. You know, he was at 13 points a game. He wasn't playing very well. And then, um, you know, two years later, I mean, his numbers are just off the charts. And I think uh, he has to score more. And I think that's part of it right now, too, right? Like, he has to – I mean, he's getting 20 shots a game. Yeah, definitely the the willing – not the willingness, the, the necessity – for him to score right now with what they're lacking, just like you said, in depth, but also just like one of their superstars has been out for a while. Um, yes, that will always, um, that will always bring about a desire, a fire to, to score more, but just because you want to do it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do it. And for him, he's, he averages, as you mentioned, a career 13.9 points a game. He's almost doubled that in 16 games this year. So, I mean, like, that not only is that a desire to score more, but he's he actually is just scoring more um, and doing it damn near efficiently too. Um, so he's just just overwhel- or overwhelmingly and overall just outperforming what he's done his entire career. Yeah, absolutely. And we said it before in a Brad Stevens offense that some of the numbers are a little bit deflated because of the way that they um, share the ball and the offense that they run, right? Um, I remember saying last year that Tatum's numbers, if he was in a different system than what Brad Stevens does, his numbers probably would be better. And I think you're starting to see without that depth and them having to take over that, you know, wow, these guys can really play. Yeah. And no, you're, you're, we've said, we talked about that, you know, ad nauseum sometimes on this podcast where it's like, like kind of open up the playbook a little bit, like let these guys be a little more free. I wonder what Tatum and, and uh, now Kemba Walker and J- Jalen Brown, what these guys would do in kind of like a, I don't know, not a Houston type offense, but like just a more open where you can just, you just run less, less organized stuff, less um, rigid um, plays. And you kind of just run freely. I really do wonder um, 
you know, what, what that would look like. And we're starting to see it like you just mentioned. So, um, and what they're, I've, I'm, I haven't pulled up their record in a minute, but I feel like they're, um, oh, they're 10 and six. So it's not like they're terrible. They're I think they're like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we've said though, like, man, they could take a bigger step if they had that like second or third guy, um, really perform phenomenally in the playoffs. And maybe this is like, we're getting to that point where if Jalen Brown can do this consistently with Kemba and Jason, like maybe this is an actual legitimate contender. I know depth is always going to be an issue, but those three have to like right now, if those three don't perform to the highest level, they're not going anywhere. So sure. the fact that Jalen Brown is taking this massive step is a, is a sign that they may have a chance, you know, to compete in the playoffs. No, I absolutely agree. And the more shots he takes and the less Marcus smart takes the better. Yeah. I mean, we don't want Marcus smart taking 15 shots a game and seven of those threes. We just don't. I am. You know, I, I'm <laughs> I mean, sorry. And I, I like Marcus smart. Like, of course, stuff. he's a great defensive player. He, has a place on our team. He just needs to kind of sometimes know his role a little bit better. So no doubt. Joe, okay, did you so see? The, yeah, go on ahead. I was going to say, I, we both couldn't wait to talk about this. I know. Like, I just don't understand. Okay. So, uh, so Shaq just basically just comes out and says about Donovan Mitchell that, you know, he's not a superstar. Yeah, he. Why? <laughs> I don't know Why? if. So, uh, this might be my this might be my segment that I rant the most on today because. Okay. I, I'm, I'm tired of. Maybe I'm not even tired of it. I, I don't understand why. Analysts Barkley does it too. Charles Barkley does it a decent amount as well. Just because you played in the league at one time does not give you the right to just trash on current players because you're an analyst. Your job is different now. You're an analyst. You are not a, a player coach, player analyst. You are an analyst, solely that. I understand you're in this fraternity forever and you play in the NBA, fine, whatever. Do you think that, that Donovan Mitchell gives a rip what you did back in 2000? He was like, I'm, I'm G14 classified, Google me. Donovan Mitchell doesn't give a shit what you did in, 20, in 2000. He doesn't. <laughs> He, I'm sorry, whatever you did in 2000 doesn't give you the right to go on national television and literally say the quote, I said tonight that you're one of my favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. I said it on purpose and I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say about that? How did he think that was going to go? How awkward is that? Like, I, like, I just don't understand. Like, what, what is the purpose of something like this? Um, and you're right. These older players, for some reason, it's just like the back in my day, you know, like attitude that's just absolutely ridiculous because today's players are as talented as ever. So. And so Shaq says that on national television after he had just won a game, by the way, um, and he's on the microphone and he says that quote and then Donovan Mitchell just goes, all right. And then a long pause goes by and he goes, that's it. That's it, Shaq. I've been hearing that since my rookie year. I'm just going to keep betting better and do what I do. Like what I just, what did Shaq expect Donovan Mitchell's answer to be like, thanks man. You're right. I'm not very good. I'm going to keep working though. Like, no, he's not going to do that. Like he's going to be a little pissed off at that, at that statement. And he's going to kind of be, feel a certain type of way about it. So 
Donovan Mitchell handled it probably as, as professionally as he could. Like he says, all right. And then he brings like the, the political, I've heard this all my life or, you know, since my rookie year, I'm going to just keep grinding and good for him. But like, man, he could have easily been like, man, shut the hell up. Like you, these old heads talking and like, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm so tired of, of analysts that used to play like, I think, uh, or like coach or whatever. What was it? Rex Ryan used to talk shit about Baker Mayfield on oh, yeah. NFL countdown all the time. And it's like, stop, stop thinking that because you were a coach that you just have this right to then trash current players. Um, I don't think any analyst, whether they played or not should do it, but like normal analysts that are like really good at their job. Don't do that. They just analyze. They don't trash on a guy. They just like, Hey, you didn't play well. They don't say, I don't think you have what it takes to get to the next level. Like, no, I don't. I feel like you're cutting deep at that point. Yeah, I just don't know what the motivation is to this Shaq. Like, what does he gain for doing that? I mean, and why Donovan Mitchell? Like, it's not like he has this, like, history with him. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just – it makes zero sense to me. And just, like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. So, your time is over, big man. Like, I I love you, Shaq. Most dominant ever. But, like, it, saying Donovan Mitchell is good doesn't take away from how good you were. So, I don't understand why, you know, you're you're trying to do this. So. Yeah, you'd almost want to think like, oh, or like, is it somebody that's just threatened? Like, is like, yeah. are they threatened by? But it's like Shaq's legacy is never threatened. So, and so why would it be we, threatened by Donovan freaking Mitchell? Like, right. it's not like it's, it's, it's another Laker center that's you know going out and it's not like you said it about Anthony Davis, where you'd be like, oh, okay, like you know maybe you could see why because you know you were the pass and then you have the guy, but Donovan yeah. Mitchell. And then like LeBron clapped back at, um, at Shaq and then, um, Kevin Durant went back at him too. And basically the, 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 the common sentiment from all these players currently is like these old players and these old heads just keep talking. And like, we didn't say anything bad about Shaq. We, we all know Shaq is phenomenal. What, what is LeBron going to do? Like Shaq sucked. Like, no, no one's going <laughs> to say that. I just don't understand why these old players feel like they're, they have to like puff themselves up or like defend themselves or like code themselves with this armor of like, are they, def- why are they so defensive? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so that whole interaction just was like awkward. I feel like it's the best way to describe it. It was just awkward. It was just, it was just absolutely weird. And like, like you said, like these guys that are in the NBA now, especially like the Donovan Mitchells and LeBron James and, and Kevin Durant, like they know the history of the NBA. They know these players. They know how good they were. They have a respect towards them why is that it's not like they're out there dissing them you know what i mean so like and and the older player yeah go ahead why are they coming back and doing it almost in like reverse it just doesn't make sense to me and by the way the older players are the ones that are still saying that like oh us older players could score 50 a game in this league's nba first off no you couldn't no (laughs) <laughs> and we just talked about it. There's only been like 130, 50 point games and only like 70, 60 point games. So you just think that you're going to walk in here and waltz in and score 50 points. Like that's just not going to happen. It's so rare. And no so chance. like, that's why these younger players are already starting to get angry because the older players won't shut up. Like your time is done. Move on, make your money doing a bunch of other stuff. Like Shaq, you're making a ton of money, what you're doing, doing what you're doing. Why are you worried about Donovan Mitchell not being able to reach the next level, which by the way, he already kind of has. So like we can move past that. Um, I don't know that just like the whole interaction pissed me off. I watched it live and I was like, "Uh Oh, this is weird. <laughs> um, but <laughs> all that to say like Shaq, you're great at what you do. Donovan Mitchell, you're great at what you do. Like, why can't we all just like respect each other for what we do? I don't understand. 
I don't either. And then Arenas, he can score, you know, 40 points a game. Did you hear him come out and say that? That, that like, was earlier this summer. So I don't know. Just I just, crazy stuff. I, like, I respect confidence. There's a difference between confidence and just, like, being an ass. And right. you can – you can say that you'll score 40, but until you walk in the league and do it now, I won't believe it. And guess what? You're not walking in the league now and scoring 40 because these dudes it's, are too damn good. They're too damn good. Yeah. And it's easy so. to say that. Like, it's easy to talk is cheap, right? Like, it's easy to say, oh, you know, if I was playing it in today's, you know, time period. But. Of course. Yeah. It's all it's all hypothetical and all relative and whatever. Right. Um, so there's a guy that we were talking about last week and we were like, hey, we don't think he has value. We don't think this this is going to work out. This crazy story happens with Kevin Porter Jr. He gets his locker moved, then he has a hissy fit, and then he throws some food on the owner or the GM. Um, and then literally, was it that night or the next night, I think, overnight, like overnight news dump, dude gets traded. Yeah, for like a heavily protected – pick right second second round i think it was something, yeah i want to say it was like a like decent pick for a guy that pretty much had no value uh, at the time um but kevin porter jr finds himself going to the rockets i guess so i mean good for him maybe i don't really know if that's great but hey so you got the rockets have been playing pretty well the, yeah they and actually have you're right they're not a great team you know by any stretch of the imagination but they they're playing pretty well so but I just thought that was so funny that we literally were like, oh, yeah, I don't think he has no. value. Like, he's probably stuck there. They'll have to release him. And then the next night, they trade him to Houston. Um, so that was all That was all funny. Um, but last bit of last bit of NBA information. Um, it, the last I heard from Mark Stein is that there's a really, really good possibility, and it's almost all but done, that the NBA is planning on having an all-star weekend or maybe just an all-star day um, in Atlanta um, coming up. Yeah, I mean, things are uh, things are kind of looking up for when it comes to uh, to COVID. So it would be kind of cool to uh, to have something at least on the books, right? I mean, I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but our players have just been through the ringer. Are they going to want to do this thing? That's my that's my thing. Like, I know it's going to be in March, um, Indiana, in Indianapolis, right? Is that where they're at this? Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta. Atlanta. Sorry. So originally it's supposed to be in Indianapolis, but um, Atlanta now. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a good sign, I guess. I mean, what what are your thoughts on it? I guess. Um, I'm just a little confused, I guess, because yeah, like like one week we're having to postpone like six, seven, eight games. You know, like crazy talk and then the next we're like oh but by the way we are going to have an all-star game where a bunch of people are going to come to to one place and play a game that doesn't really mean anything other than money um and we're gonna just say covid doesn't necessarily exist um for this one day so let's do that why i just don't understand (laughs) that's the big question right right why are we doing this? I guess, you know, I mean, I, I know it's nice and it's, you know, kind of a cool break and everything like that, but like, you know, and, uh, the players union is, seems like they're actually on board with it. So, or at least some version of it. So, and it would be set around, you know, March 5th, I think 7th, March 7th is the day that they're looking at, but 
I mean, they've already postponed 22 regular season games. Why are we talking about this? Honestly. Yeah. Like I, like I just said, I'm a little confused. I don't think it's, it's needed. I think like it'd be hot, probably just be better off if they just like took a break and just like relaxed after this kind of like weird first half. Um, but instead we're going to bring, we're going to bring everybody into one place in Atlanta and get magic city, some business. And then that's about it. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm a little confused by your tactics right now. NBA. <laughs> You've been so good. You've been so good. Um, but I mean, like, I guess, if, going on there. I guess if these players are down, then like, that's fine. But I, I don't know how down these players are going to be like when it actually gets closer to that time. So we'll sure. see. There'll be more, more news to come that may just be squashed at some point. Um, but we'll see. All right, Joe, let's jump in. We have a couple teams we want to talk about um, that have just kind of like really either confused us or like some fun stuff to talk about. But first off, what in the hell is wrong with the Pelicans? As uh, you know? let, me, <laughs> let me ask you a question here. Gotcha. How, how good of a coach is Stan Van Gundy? First of all, and second of all, is has has the game has the modern NBA and the changes that have developed over the last fifteen years. Has, has he not adapted well enough? Was he a good coach? And then I, so I, I don't know the answers to those things. I really don't. Um, you know, you look at his track record. He was with the Heat. He gave up his position because Pat Riley said, "No, I'm going to coach now." He goes to Orlando. He takes them to an NBA Finals. He does do that under Dwight Howard and their defense when they really, I mean, they had Dwight Howard, they had Rashard Lewis, they had Jameer Nelson, you know, they, they had some pieces, but it's not like they were, you know, world beaters at the time. And, <coughs> and then he goes to uh, Detroit. Doesn't really do a whole lot there, but also didn't have a whole lot of pieces to work with. So I, I'm confused because this team is not short on talent. Let's let's make that very clear, right? Like Brandon Ingram is is turning into a, an excellent player. Zion Williamson um, is unstoppable force right around the basket. Um, Lonzo Ball can play like they they have good pieces. Josh Hart. I mean, so it's it's confusing. Are are they just like I know they have talent, but are they just like built weird? Like yeah, I've kind I think of. So. I've kind of like looked at their roster and just how um, how they're kind of built. And I just don't think that they're built like super well-rounded. I, like I don't – I'm looking at their ratings now. They're 19th in offense, and I think they're also 19th in defense. Um, no, they're 24th in defense. So I know we do this every time we record, it seems like, but like – they're below average defensively and they're a little below average offensively. So like they just don't do anything well. It looks like, I mean, as a team, obviously Zion has moments where like he's unbelievable and Brandon Ingram has moments and and games and all these times where they're unbelievable, but I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like they're built to be great. No, I mean, they don't have a rim protector. They don't have shooting, right? I mean, you know, consistent shooting. Uh, besides, uh, name slipping me. J. J. Reddick. 
Yes, that guy. So, JJ Reddick. And, uh, you know, and it's not like, you know, Zion is someone that they run a lot of plays for or run their offense through. He just kind of almost gets, you know, 20 points by accident. <laughs> so, and he's, he's, he's got a long way to go, uh, defensively. And, and, uh, when it comes to defensive rebounding, like he's an extremely good offensive rebounder, but defensive rebounding, he does struggle and his, his rates show that. So, uh, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it's a weird, um, a weird roster. They're two and eight in their last 10 games. Two oh and eight. gosh. And they're yeah. five and 10, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Five and 10, two and oh, eight, eight in their last 10 games. And how, I mean, how much time do you give Van Gundy with this roster? I don't know. And, and do you put some blame on him? Oh, I think there's no question. They brought him in and they were like, oh, well, he's a great defensive mind. So like we can really work on the defensive schemes and all this stuff. The problem was is, well, the problem is twofold. One, you got to have the players to run a scheme. And two, you got to be up to date with the new stuff to run the scheme. And I think both those combined, not having the great players for for the scheme, and also the scheme may not be relevant to 2020 basketball, 2021 basketball. So like you mentioned, has it passed him by a little bit? I think there's no question. Like he tried in Detroit, and I thought that the Detroit thing was just he was in over his head with all his responsibilities. But it might be that he was just in over his head because he wasn't ready for to be a head coach regardless. Um I know a couple people that I texted, like they didn't like the hire. Um, I thought it was going to be decent. I didn't think it was like a home run hire, but I thought it was a pretty good hire. Um, I had two people that were like, no, don't like the hire at all. Don't think it fits. Um, and maybe we're starting to find out like maybe it didn't and maybe it just doesn't work. The roster construction is not great, but the fit of the coach may also not be great either. I was confused by it. I mean, last year, Alvin Gentry during the regular season did a very good job. I felt like over the summer, no, like they, they totally tanked uh, in the bubble and they were terrible. So I understand almost, you know, why, why they let him go. But I will say this. I don't think this team is five and 10 and two and eight in their last 10 games. If Gentry is the coach, right? Because I think they're outscoring people. They're playing at a much higher pace. They're getting, and I think that's what you have to do with that team. You can't slow this team down. Like you have to go, go, go. Right. With their yeah, athletes one, and everything. For sure. One thing to remember, I mean, there's no more Drew Holiday, which like matters. Um, That's huge. Huge. Like, wildly renowned around the league as the most underrated player, maybe, you know, at that time. So like you're losing that guy matters. But yeah, I think like they're just playing a way that one doesn't suit the roster construction. And two, the roster construction is not great. You couple those things together. It's, it's a bad recipe. So all that to say, I think if Gentry is the coach, they're definitely better than than five and ten, and they're definitely not two and eight in their last ten. I can tell you that. Right. Did you see LeBron the other night? I mean, I watched the entire game. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. So awesome. Dude, dude, I know we like gush, and everybody who watches the show probably just thinks like we're like LeBron homers or whatever. I don't care, man. Like, you just have to appreciate it right now right like i just appreciate good basketball and and, and greatness and, and his 46 the other day on monday night uh what do you have over 20 in the fourth quarter just completely took it took it over so 
Yeah, he uh, I think he had 17 in the first, and then he had 21 or 22 in the fourth. On in the fourth, he shot 90 percent from the field. Like I understand a lot, you know, it's dunks and it's layups and whatever. No, no, no. Oh, no he had that fadeaway from the corner. Where that he had the fadeaway from the corner. He so had stupid. He had this the two step back threes, and I yep. think. At one point, this might not have been the fourth, but at one point in the game, he hit a three from damn near the logo. So, like, he was 19 of 26 from the field, 7 of 11 from three, with eight rebounds and six assists. It's absurd, dude. Like, I'm not normally, like, amazed at LeBron because I'm like, oh, this is LeBron. That game was amazing because he's in his 18th year and he's doing things that he did in his eighth year that are just bonkers. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Like, and you just you have to appreciate it because you don't know when it's going to end. And you know, and every day you go in and you think, well, this could be it. But he just keeps showing up and and doing stuff. And uh, and don't taunt him. So here's what's really funny. I I have to pull up my Twitter because Joe, I know you follow me, but. You know, if nobody else on this podcast follows me, you can. It's it's at Matt Tweed, at Matt's underscore Tweed 22 if you want to follow me. I do mostly tweet about basketball. But the other night I was tweeting about the game, and I tweeted at – what time was this? 10.05 p.m. This is right when it happened. I said, someone just said something to LeBron courtside at the end of the third, and now every time he makes a bucket, he looks at him. You think people would learn – if you come at the king, you best not miss. So I said that. Hey-o. And then people proceeded to, to comment on the tweet because they were like, I thought I was the only one that saw that. Like, I saw that too. Why would people do that? Blah, blah, blah. Well, it comes out that that was actually a Cavs employee that was sitting courtside. So not only did you screw up by, by getting in his, you know, like getting under oh. his skin, you work for the opposing team, and if you worked there when you, he was there, you should know better than to piss off the king because it's that Le- doesn't work. <laughs> it's LeBron James, dude. I mean, what what are you doing? Like, and LeBron even said afterwards, he said someone got a little too happy about me missing that, you know, shot at the end of the third quarter. And that, I mean. And he what's funny is the video, like there's a video from him kind of like up, up, like up above. And so you can see the like guy get up and like clap in his face and like be really happy that he missed that shot at the end of the third. And LeBron does the classic. It's like everybody now, if you do it, knows exactly what's happening. He looks at the guy right in his face and he kind of does like a smirk and he just goes, all right. And that's the renowned like bet. That's just bet. And you then spurred on a 20 plus point fourth quarter. When your team was was on a nice run, and you lost, like I know LeBron, I know LeBron won the game, but like that fan lost that game for their that employee <laughs> lost the game for the Cavs um, because they great basketball too. They were playing really well. They've been playing well, and they played really well that night. Um, it just so happened that they got a guy pissed off, and he scores forty six or forty eight, <laughs> whatever he had, um, forty six. Not just a guy. LeBron James. The like, guy. Yeah, not just like – he didn't like piss off Dennis Schroeder. Like he pissed yeah. off LeBron James. <laughs> Why? Um, I just like – I always just go back and I'm like, dude, what were you – like what are you thinking? 
Like, what did you, again, I just asked the question, what did you think was going to happen? Like, what do you have to gain from this? Nothing. Don't you want to know who that dude is now? I want somebody to be like, oh yeah, that's, I want like his kid to be like, oh crap, that's my dad. Like, (laughs) like some kid on Twitter just be like, that's my dad. Um, But anyway, we, what we've learned um, again and time again is that LeBron James doesn't age and that you do not piss off the best player in the world because he's got something for you every single time. What was amazing about that was just the array of shots and just his, his knowledge. And if you break down some of his plays, like the way he sees the court and manipulates it to his will, it's just, it's nuts, dude. It's, it's insane. The, uh, I heard a quote today. Anthony Davis was on a podcast with Complex, I think. And uh, there was one game against the Mavericks this year where LeBron, I think it was a two-for-one situation, so there's a little context, but he was dribbling down, and he took a one-legged left leg three, and he bricks it. Like, it's completely terrible. It doesn't even come close. But I think it was like, oh, I'm going to try to get a two-for-one here, and it didn't. I mean, it worked out, but it didn't really. So Anthony Davis after the game goes, so we just not going to talk about your one legged three LeBron. Like we just not going to talk about that, how bad that was. And he looks him dead in the eyes and just goes, I don't give a fuck. I do what I want. (laughs) And that right there is the same mentality that he took against the Raptors. And like what 2017, when he was doing all the crazy shit in that sweep game and that closeout game and the same shit that he did the other night against the Cavs, it was, I don't give a fuck. I'm the King. I will shoot however I want. And most of the time it goes in. Because I'm the GOAT. Like, that's what his mentality is. And I just love that Anthony Davis, like, verbalized that for us because we see it. But he was like, I don't give a fuck. I do what I want. It's great. But on that note, we're going to take a break. And then we'll come back and talk about some quarter way through awards that we are going to give out. All right, welcome back. Um, like I said, before the break, we're going to jump into our quarter way through the season awards. Some may sound the same as our preseason awards. Some may be different just based on the, the few games that we've watched here. Um, Joe, let's start it off. So a quarter of the way through the season, um, who is your MVP? Um, I think it's I think it's Joel Embiid, man. So let me, let me throw out some numbers for you real quick, okay? So... PER, he's leading the league right now, 31.21. He's first in there. Fifth in points, seventh in rebounds. We had talked last year about what has he gotten better at since he's entered the league. This year, he's averaging almost 28 points a game, up from 23 points. He's averaging about the same in assists and same rebounds. His... His field goal percentage, though, went from 47.7 on twos to 55, and is shooting 40% from three. With Doc Rivers at the helm, defensively, the Sixers are just amazing, him and Simmons. So he's clearly taken a step. He's averaging almost five more points a game on the same amount of shots. Like I, and and is still their anchor defensively. So I I think it's Embiid, man. I mean, I really do. I mean, there's there's other guys who have had great seasons so far. You're going to talk about one of them here, and uh, but through four through his 14 games, you know, I think it's him. So I'd like to see him play a little bit more. He's still only at 31 minutes a game, which is you know pretty low for someone you know of his age, but and uh, and his ability, but. 
I think it's him so far. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give somebody different, but like we're splitting hairs at this point. I feel like because there's it's a two man race right now, right? I think it's three. I think you can throw in a third. I think you can throw in Doncic too. I think he's definitely up there. The way he's been playing as of late, he's been um, been really unstoppable. I would I would agree if they were better. Yeah, that's they're, fair. They're that's fair. Teams, so, um, no, that's definitely fair. I think Kevin Durant at, at some point is going to enter the, into the conversation. I don't yeah. know when, but I think he will. Um, I'm going to go with LeBron and I know we just kind of gushed over him and whatever. Um, and yes, this is a, I'll say it's, um, it's a LeBron stand podcast. Like it where we love LeBron and that's just what it is. But, um, I, I just think that if this, this is going to be based off of a legacy lifetime achievement award. Um, and if he gets the Lakers to the one seat again, he's not coasting. He's taking this very seriously. He's not taking time off. He's still averaging about 25, seven and eight um, in his 18th year. He just had a 46 point game against his team that he just, you know, that he left a couple years ago. I think all of this is just going to come down to like, people are going to go, well, it's not Giannis, you know, Lucas team may not be good enough. They may end up being like a four or five seed. Like it's going to probably come down to KD and beat and him at some point. Um, and at that point, if the Lakers again are the best team in the league, it may be best play because again, Anthony Davis has not played nearly as well as we thought he was going to. So it might be best player on best team by far. And he thought he was going to have this like incredible Robin in AD all year. And it hasn't happened necessarily yet. Um, I just think it might be a lifetime achievement, like legacy award. Um, I understand if we want to go like best right now, like stats and all that, it, it, it is indeed, um, but I'm just going to predict on what I think the voters are going to do at the end of the year based on what I've seen. If that's the case and LeBron continues on this tear and this pace, um, I don't see how they don't give it to him um, just based on the, the times he's been, you know, been snubbed and what he's been doing as a 17th year and 18th year um, is remarkable. But I cannot argue against Embiid. He's been – it's like 1A, 1B if you ask me, and he's been unreal. So Narrative in the MVP race – you know, is, is extremely important as we have seen, you know, throughout the years. So um, I think a lot of people still remember what happened last year and this past summer, um, you know, with LeBron getting his finals MVP again. So, yeah, I mean, you might be right. And it would be, you know, he's, he's, play, he's playing as good as ever. And it's a lifetime achievement award almost, you know, at this point, because the fact that he only has four in his 18 seasons is absolutely ridiculous. But um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. It's splitting hairs. And if either one of them won it, it'd, it'd probably be pretty deserving. So, and really quick shout out that um, player of the month or player of the week stat you, you gave me the other day about LeBron. Yeah. Um, so, it was player of the month, right? Player of the month over 40 times. The uh, the next highest person to have the most player of the months was Kobe at 17. Now, Michael Jordan had 16, but in the 90s, it was a one-person award. It was not – they had an Eastern Conference and Western Conference. That didn't start until like 2001, I believe. So – Okay. Kobe was in um, in the league a couple of years before that came through. So there is that. But 
1742, I think. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. nuts. Like the next closest person is still 25 away. Yeah, they could double it and it'd still be like six, seven, eight short somewhere around that place. <laughs> That's so absurd. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, again, just helping bolster my lifetime achievement award here that I think could happen, but no, that's insanity to me. Um, so Embiid for you, LeBron for me for a quarter of the way MVP. All right. Most improved player. What do we got? Well, I think there's two. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about the one that we already talked about today. Jalen Brown taking that next step up. And this, this usually goes to someone who does that, right. Who either goes from like, maybe a bench player to starter or, you know, that's a really good starter to borderline all-star. Very rarely do you see it go from all-star to, oh, like MVP level season. And I'm not saying Jalen Brown's right there yet, but he's, I mean, he's balling out, man. So he's, he's playing well. So I'm going to go with him. I mean, the progress he's made from, you know, just the last two years from averaging 13 points a game to 27, you know, I think that in them in of itself, you know, is deserving. Yeah, I, nothing else to say. We talked about it. He's been he's been unreal and definitely improved a ton. So can't argue with that. I'm gonna go Christian Wood. Kind of the same kind of the same realm, right? Like a good player, um, not near, not as good as Jalen Brown, and not even notable as Jalen Brown. But man, has he taken a step and just been a baller? Um, Did you know he was this good, or is it just like he, what was he this good and he's just having more opportunity in in Houston now? So I think it's, yeah, I think it's the the latter, what you said. I think like he's getting a ton more opportunity, but he, he did really well last year. And then I started to like look up videos and like numbers and advanced metrics. And I was like, oh, this guy has a chance to be really good in the right spot. Um, or just really anywhere if you give him more opportunity and he's getting a ton of opportunity now in Houston, because they kind of blew that thing up to an extent. And so, man, he has just been unbelievable. I got to pull up his stat line here, but just tr- just from what I'm watching, I mean, I'm watching, I'm trying to get a, a glimpse of him every night he plays just because um, everything I see on Twitter is just how good he's been. I mean, he's averaging 34 minutes a night, 23 and a half points on 53% shooting and 11 rebounds. I mean, he's a walking double-double. Um, and I, I can't deny that, that, that from what he was as a career, I mean, he's a career tw- 17 or sorry, he's a career 11 point g- per game guy f- with only 18 minutes. He's doubled his minutes, but he's also doubled his points and his production. And for that, that screams most improved player in my mind. So I love it. Yeah. It, hard to argue that. I mean, he is, <clears throat> like you said, he's a walking double, double. He's a, uh, is this seven butter? Almost at least. Right yeah, there, six ten. Yeah. Center. Um, who can shoot the three. He protects the rim, you know, pretty well. I mean, he's almost averaging two blocks a game. So grabs rebounds and does whatever he is needed to do. So, and uh, yeah, just doubling his point average won't help or won't hurt either. Right. So. Um, and I think he, let me, I'm going to pull up the, I think he's a decent three-point shooter too, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, he can um, shoot three. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's the, the prototypical length of the NBA now where you can shoot. So big time. Um, but yeah, so... That's my most improved player, um, and you have Jalen Brown, so quarter of the way through. All right, Joe. This is where you and I thrive. This is our this is our role here on any basketball team. Six man? Six man of the year, baby. <laughs> First guy off the bench, big time, big time uh, impact off the bench here. Um, 
quarter of the way through, who would you have to say would be your sixth man of the year? I think we're going to agree on this one because I don't know who else is going to be really, but Jordan Clarkson, right? Yeah, I agree. I don't have much to say about that. I've just, just the way this dude has played, like we, when he got that contract, we were like, what in the world? And then we're like, Oh wait, Utah one really needed bench scoring. And two, he is really providing that like in an insane clip. I was watching the other night. Uh, I think it was, Oh, it was last night. They played the Knicks. And by the way, the Knicks went into the fourth quarter up one and they lost by 17. <laughs> they scored thir- I think they scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. That's it. Uh, um, but anyway, so all that to say, um, I was watching Gor- Jordan Clarkson play and he just, he's just like a spark plug. Like he, he comes into the game and he takes a couple weird shots, but then he'll just, he, it's always like when he gets the ball, his role is when you get the ball, you go score. Like, and that's such a freeing, that's a freeing thought when you can just get the ball and know you're not going to be crucified by, by not scoring or sorry, or by, by trying to score, even if you miss, because that's what they brought him in to do is just be a spark plug and just score. Um, yeah, and this year I, he's averaging, what's he averaging? 17 and 17 and five. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what you're supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's in a perfect role right now. And I think Quinn Snyder just comes out and just says, Hey, look, like, you know, your role is to come onto the bench, provide us a spark plug, get us some scoring, you know, know your role defensively, at least don't screw up too bad, which, you know, in Utah, all you have to do is shade everybody to Rudy Gobert and you're fine. So, I mean, perfect role for him and he's thriving in it. So almost shooting 40% from the three right now. Yeah, he's he's been awesome. And so if there's anybody that I can sit down and look at and have watched a decent amount and that comes off the bench, I, I believe he right now is the leader in the clubhouse for that six man of the year. Defensive player of the year. I've got two, and I think they're they're both on the same team. And I think Doc Rivers actually probably has a lot to do with this. But uh, for sure, Joel Joel Embiid. But really, and he's not going to get it. I know he's not. But in my head, this he might he's he's probably it. And that is um, Ben Simmons. Yeah, I man, I can't argue like those both those guys. Like I mean, and and Ben Simmons is unfortunate that he's not ever going to really get it because boy. Does he affect the game in so many different ways defensively? Um, yeah. Being a point guard, but then having the length being like 6'9", 6'10", his active hands, he gets steals, he blocks he blocks the ball really well too at the rim. Um, it, it, but it just sucks that like, because one, he's a point guard and those rarely win defensive player of the year. But two, the guy on his team also is also really, really good at playing defense too. Yeah, and the thing about Ben Simmons is he's really out of bad position. Like, he's an extremely good help defender as well, too. And he can legitimately, he doesn't need to do this because they have a lot of size, but he could legitimately guard all five positions. And I can think yeah. of I can think of two other, three other players who can do that. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Giannis, right? Is there anybody else who could legitimately guard five positions at an elite level? You said who? Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Giannis. I would throw KD in there. Um, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I did think about pe- KD. Absolutely. At peak, at peak defensive level, I think he can guard all five. But, I mean, your three yeah. were not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, you have about – he's one of five guys who can do that. And and he's called upon to do that. So, 
yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's Ben's, I mean, I'd, he's not going to win it, but I would. Yeah. Um, like I said, I can't argue with that. I've loved what he's done. Um, I'm going to throw one out there. I don't know if a lot of people have watched a lot of these games or if you've watched this guy at all, I'm going to go with miles Turner. Um, I've just been watching him, his presence and just the way that he's been playing down low. And I'm super impressed defensively what he's doing. Um, He's at, so per a hundred possessions, he's averaging six blocks a game. His defensive rating is a one Oh two. His block percentage is an 11% block percentage, um, which is just, I mean, block percentage for, for, if you don't know what block percentage is, it's an estimate of the percentage of the opponent two point field goal attempts blocked by the player when they're on the floor. In other words, 11% of the two point field goal or the 11% of those two point field goals that come his way when he's on the floor, 11% of them are getting blocked a game. That's crazy, man. Two years ago, he was doing it at an eight and a half percent clip, which is also pretty good. Um, So that coupled with just like, I I didn't do a whole lot of the like deeper dive, like his rim percentage, uh, like rim block percentage and all that stuff. But I'm assuming it's really high too. like the shooting percentage at the rim for these players, I'm sure is really low. Um, but just the defensive rating, the block percentage, um, and the the defensive win shares and his defensive plus minus, all those numbers together, I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's him, Embiid, Gobert, you know, a couple other big guys like Giannis and the ADs. But like when you're mentioned with those guys, like you're always going to be in that conversation for defensive player of the year because those are always the guys up there. Um, and he's just he to me has stood out in a year where Anthony Davis hasn't necessarily done a whole lot there. Rudy Gobert has struggled at times, although he's always going to be up there. He struggled. Yeah. Um, and beads is up there too, but like he just kind of has stood out with some of these numbers and these metrics. And I think that, and if you ask me like a quarter of the way through, I think it's him for defensive player of the year. Interesting. I'm going to have to watch him a little bit more. So yeah, just like yeah. you'll notice there's like, you know, five or six plays a game down by the rim where you're just like, Holy shit. He just swallowed that thing up. Um, and so a lot of like what Anthony Davis was doing in the bubble and what like, um, you know, Dwight Howard used to do at times and certain people, like if you just came in there, he just right. swallowed you up. Um, and so, and he's a small, I mean, he's a big guy, but he's a smaller big dude. Um, so it's even more impressive that he's kind of using a lot of like length and agility as well as, you know, being in the right place to get those, those stops. All Makes right. Sense, Let's round it out here. One more award, and then we'll talk about our updated picks if we have any. So, Coach of the Year, a quarter of the way through. I have one that I'm super pumped about, but you have one that you're really pumped about. Yeah, dude. Okay. I think it was two weeks ago we got on here and we said the Suns, they're in like the fourth spot of the West. We said, we said that they would come down, you know, eventually. That they're going to make the playoffs, but they're probably be around the 7 or 8 seed. Is that really going to be the case right now? I mean, the way that they are playing and like they're in every single game. I know they lost a couple close ones to the Nuggets here recently. Yeah, two in a row that went into overtime. Um, I think it's Monty Williams. And I know the Chris Paul effects coming in, you know, has helped them tremendously. But let's not forget, I mean, they did go 8-0 in the bubble. So they were already on their way, you know, to this. But uh, talk about someone who has brought a really, really young team a long way in a short amount of time. You know, that was two years ago, tanking. Last year, in the summer, they had a chance to make the playoffs. This year, they're going to be in the 
probably around the fifth spot. I really honestly believe that that, you know, could be the case. So yeah, I think it's money. Yeah. So I will say let like right now they're eight and seven, they've dropped down to the seven seed again, two close losses, um, you know, to, to Denver, um, Could have gone either way. Devin Booker is now out tonight with a, um, with a hamstring. Um, I think Dario Sartz is out due to health and safety. So that here's the thing they're young. So they're going to go through some rough patches. The great thing is when you have a coach of the year candidate, like Monty Williams, he can help get and Chris Paul, as a, as a veteran, he can get you through these rough, like rough patches being young. He did it with OKC. He did it when um, the Clippers were somewhat young as well. And I mean, he, he didn't do it necessarily as great in Charlotte, but he was also young now that he is older and he did it with Houston. They weren't young, but he did it with Houston. He's a walking playoff berth. So if nothing else, if Phoenix is a top six seed, even let's call it top five, cause I think they can be in there. If they're a top five seed, Monty Williams deserves a ton of votes for that coach of the year. If they make the playoffs as a top five seed, regardless, I don't care what else you can give you the Chris Paul thing, whatever he deserves all the credit in the world. Because like you said, this team was bad and tanking and on its way to being a laughing stock. They were bad, bad. They were a laughing stock oh. for a really long time. <laughs> I mean, Oh yes. But, uh, also real quick shout out. while We're talking about the Suns. Uh, bridges. That dude's a baller, man. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like he is like a modern day, perfect three and D player. I love so, him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's fun to watch. The whole team is just really, really fun to watch. Would love to see Aiden take another step defensively. He blocks a lot of shots, but he's out of position a lot. His contest is slow. Um, but, you know, I mean, but he does, he, he he's taking steps. So, but love yeah. my son. And, and Monty Williams will, will he'll work on that. I mean, he's got time. Yeah. He's, you know, he has, be there. I mean, Aiden has improved defensively, you know, quite a bit. Um, no doubt, but uh, he still has a long ways to go. For sure. I can't argue with that. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Eastern conference since um, you and I both talked, that was the guy I was going to go with Western conference, but I'll go Eastern. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my words here and I'm going to go doc rivers um, for the Celtics or sorry for the, not the Celtics for the Sixers. Um, I, I, I have my gripes, I have my my views, and I have just things that I feel about him, but I cannot deny that this team has underachieved a lot in the past, and and right now they are not underachieving. They're the number one seed in the East, 12-6, um, and six, I think is what I saw, right? 12-6. and six. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it, it does, he deserves all the credit in the world, and Embiid is taking a step. Ben Simmons is playing well with him now, and and a lot of the, the defensive metrics and all that – are because Doc Rivers loves defense and he puts in those defensive schemes and they're really, really, and they work really well. Um, so I'm going to give him the the credit that he deserves this year. And he is my coach of the year, um, the quarter of the way through on the Eastern conference side. Yeah. I mean, he's done great and you see the difference between him and Brett Brown, <laughs> obviously um, their point differential, which is a actually a really good indicator of playoff success, by the way, is, I think I want to say second in the league right now, second in the conference. So um, actually third now. So, but anyways, uh, for a while they were up there and uh, yeah, I mean, they're just buying in defensively and uh, they got a lot of good pieces. You've always wanted to see this team like reach their talent, right? The last three years you've been wondering 
it makes you wonder though, like if Doc Rivers was there three years ago when they had Jimmy Butler, what that team could have done. Yeah, there's you know there's always the what ifs and and I think the Jimmy Butler thing was a was a bummer for them to lose him anyway. But yeah, that with Doc Rivers, oh boy, like my yeah. goodness. So um I completely agree. All right, let's round it out here. Let's finish this off. Um, Joe, what um if any, do you have any updated Eastern Conference or Western Conference picks a quarter of the way through? No. I mean, I'm sticking with the Lakers, and I still think it's going to be the Bucks. I really do. Um, if if the Bucks don't do it this year, Budenholzer has to go, right? Yeah, I've been on the the get rid of Budenholzer train already, but yeah, I think like me too. But I know we it's, have. It's, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to do that with a guy who you know wins sixty games. But we have evidence. We have a precedent with that, though. We have a precedent. Dwayne Casey. We have yeah. precedent. So don't be afraid. If you think your team can take a step, don't don't let like I don't know. I'm I'm over like letting not mediocrity because it's more than that. But in playoff, it's mediocrity, right? Like the Raptors were terrible in the playoffs, and the Bucks sometimes just underachieve in the playoffs. And not terrible, I shouldn't say it. they weren't terrible, but they underachieve. And so if that's the case then like don't settle for mediocrity or don't settle for what you think you have potential for just because he does really well in the regular season. I just, I don't agree with that. So um, too bad they didn't do it this off season. They could have gotten Billy Donovan. Well, you know, guess who has them now? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> they're not, uh, they're not very good this year, but uh, you know, they'll, uh, they'll Are be you fine. seeing strides though? Are you seeing strides? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Um <laughs> But so, so your Eastern Conference is still Milwaukee, and your Western Conference is still the Lakers, obviously. Yes. Okay. Um, I think I had the Sixers. No, I had the Bucks and the Lakers as well. Um, I don't know if I change. I do really like the the Sixers, um, but I got to see a round or a couple in the playoffs before I ever make the jump to go back to the Sixers. Um, yeah. But you know how I feel. I said in the beginning of the year. I think that there is a difference here. Um, they've got a different roster construction that I kind of like. Um, but Tobias Harris has taken a step, which I like. Um, I said that needed to happen, and I thought it could with Doc because that was the last coach that made him a great player. Um, so I'm down with that, but I'm still going to roll with the the Bucks and the, the Lakers as I'll stay there too. There's a lot of teams out in the East that I feel like could – to come out of there, I think you. I think you got Brooklyn. Yeah, Philadelphia. Nah, man, defense is gonna kill him. I'm sorry. I I was I was on the train of like when I first started watching. Even without Harden, I was like, oh, this is this is great. Like I can see this being a defense is atrocious. They gave up 147 points to the Cavs, and if you do that, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> they don't give a shit about defense. They really they don't like. Don't. I don't even know if it's that they don't give a shit. Maybe they do. It just doesn't matter if they do. They're so bad. So bad. Yeah. They've so. got one plus, I'd, I'd say one plus defender, right? Just Durant. Yeah, but like even then, he he's not going to be as uh, agile and as quick and as good as he used to be. So like he is a plus defender, but he's like kind of like a plus minus at times because he's not always going to get there in the, at the right time, um, just laterally. So, but yes, I mean, they'll score their way to the second or third round maybe or second round. But like after that, you better start playing defense and they don't have it. They, they don't, but I mean, 
Okay, so maybe you're right. <laughs> so we we talked about it last week. There's only one team that's ever done it and not had a top ten defense, and it was the uh, the 2001 Lakers, and they literally had one of the best offenses of all time. So the press, and I'm not saying that it can't be done. The precedent has only been done once. History tells us if you don't have a top ten defense, you can't do it. And I don't believe they're going to have a top ten defense now that Kyrie's back. They weren't going to have it anyway. Now they're definitely not going to have it. Evidence of scoring, letting 147 points get scored on you by the worst offense in the league, by the way. I mean, you're not wrong. And then, like, I guess the East really does come down to Philadelphia and Milwaukee then because I don't don't trust Boston to get to the finals. You may not trust them, but they're always there. They're always there, but I don't think they they haven't made the finals yet. No, they, no, no. Guess, I'm not saying that they're going to. I'm just saying like they're always yeah. there. And I, I do guess think either the Bucks or the Sixers, though. I mean, they haven't made the just final. Same. Year, so. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Um, well, I think it'll be. I think it'll kind of still be chalky, just because again, it's the first quarter of the season. Like we've got plenty of time to go. But yeah. you know, I mean, we we have a, a team at the top now of the East that is a different one than before. So I think that it's not as chalky necessarily, but it may end up being chalk towards the end when everything's all said and done. Um, that being said, we went chalk and we were not bold and did not make any changes to our picks um, because I've seen nothing that makes me think necessarily any differently. Um, no, so, no, no. I mean, the Lakers were never going to change. They're by far the best team in the West and in the league, but um, Lakers in five. Is that what we're going with? In the finals? Yeah. Yeah. I'd Lakers so. in five. Gen- yeah, gentlemen's okay. suite because like gentlemen's suite. you're right. They're, they're not even, they're not even firing on all cylinders right now, and they're just head and shoulders above everybody else. It's it's scary. Yeah. We and we say it. AD at the five solves everything. AD at the five. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thanks for listening to another episode of In the Paint, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. See you guys. Been searching for the only one who knows what you're fighting for. I got what you want. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got what you need. I got.